that and it is good to be here i hope you got a bulletin this morning i hope you'll read all those um things that are in that and um one thing that's not in it and um that's my fault i forgot to um, make sure that we got a slide and mention it but um we've got um live oak baptist t-shirts for sale we've had a lot of people i'm um, asking about them and um, we're going to have on april the 9th we're going to have our community-wide easter egg hunt over at Sydney Hutchison Park, and it really be great that um, when we went over there, we had T-shirts so that people know where we were from. And so there's a sign-up sheet in the back if um, you'll sign up, and um, so I can get them ordered. Um, I would appreciate it. And like I said, just pay attention to to all the stuff. Um, um, Operation Christmas Child Box is being filled up. This is the month to bring dolls and little trucks and and those kind of things. And so just take advantage of all those opportunities um, that are in your bulletin. It is um, always a privilege to be in the Lord's house, and this morning, um, I guess you'd say, for, for lack of a, a better um, term, um, kind of like to, to, to start the Easter season. This is, you know, the Annie Armstrong um, Easter offering, and, you know, and, and so um, I just want to start talking about it um, from the standpoint of the cross, and so over the next um, four weeks, we'll um, talk about the cross each week. We'll talk about it from some different um, perspectives and different um, ways that it affects our, our lives. And so this morning, if you have your Bible, John chapter 10, John chapter 10, um, verse 17 and 18, and then I'll read from Matthew chapter 26 um, a little later on, Matthew 26 and um, John chapter 10, verses 17 and 18. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it, but I lay it down on my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. This command I have received from my Father. I just ask today, um, Heavenly Father, that as we open your word and we think about um, Jesus on the cross, that, Father, you'll use it to encourage us, that, Father, you'll just remind us of... Um, uh, of the, the reality that, Father, sometimes um, circumstances are not the way they seem. And, Father, uh, that's not only true of this occasion, but, Father, it's true of uh, many occasions in our life. That, Father, when things seem um, out of control, when things seem um, dark and gloomy, when, when things seem impossible, Father, that um, with you all things are possible. And that, Father, a lot of times you're just setting the stage for what's to come. Father, um, remind us that you're God. We're not. We love you and we trust you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, I, being um, powerless, um, not having control, is just a, a frustrating part of life. And it's been a number of years back, but in 2001, um, a U.S. surveillance plane collided with um, a Chinese um, fighter. The Chinese fighter, um, the, the plane was lost, and the American plane had to make an emergency landing at a nearby um, military base, and um, there were servicemen and women on our plane, and they were taken into custody, and they spent 11 days there. And By all accounts, they weren't mistreated. Um, the, the, the Chinese government was careful um, that they never used the term hostages and, um, you know, and but hostage or not, they were held there against their will and even the U.S. government referred to them as detainees and, but the fact is they weren't free to leave. <laughs> the, 
They, they, they weren't free to leave. They, they had lost control of um, their circumstances for the next 11 days. And as, as I thought about that, I just, to me, it's frustrating that the Chinese government re refused to release our um, military people um, and actually not only refused to release them, demanded an apology from the United States when all records, all the, 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 the satellite image, all the flight data, clearly showed that their plane ran into our plane, you know, but somehow, you know, and so I probably wouldn't make a good diplomat, you know, at that point, um, apology would not have been what was on my mind, and that's not the way, my, my first instinct would have been to blow something up, you know, um, maybe um, shoot a couple more planes out the sky, sink a ship, you know, I, I don't know, but, you know, I understand that wouldn't have been the wisest course of action and um, probably the most prudent court of action is what indeed what, what President Bush did at the time and he exercised restraint and he was patient and he let events play out and you know he, he got our folks back home safely and so but yet when you think about that America because America is still the most powerful nation on um, the planet earth and but even America as powerful as we were, we could not force um, the Chinese dictators to immediately return our people. And it's just, there's something frustrating about being powerless. That you just feel, you just, you, 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 it's out of your control. And, you know, when you're not yet, um, I think that's one of the reasons no one likes the flood of 2016 is because we were powerless, folks. We were powerless when the rain came. We were powerless when the water came. And, and many of you understand that you've been powerless over the last um, seven and a half months um, trying to get stuff back together. Um, somebody else has been calling the shots. And some of you probably still feel that way. And sometimes when people feel that way, um, we do um, what, what your preacher would say is dumb things. But... You know, sometimes we just do dramatic things. We, we do something to prove, and I think we do it to prove to ourselves that, that we're not powerless, that, you know, and so sometimes we do things that are foolish or dangerous or even harmful, and, you, you know, sometimes a, a man at work will just feel powerless at work. He's got a boss that um, is constantly on him and telling him what to do, and he feels like his boss just boxes him in, and so one day he walks in and, you know, as Johnny Cash would have famously said, take this job and shove it. And it might not have been the wisest thing to do, but, you know, at least then he's in charge. He, he can tell them what to do with this job. And, you know, I, I think about, um, you know, women who, who feel powerless in marriage and the husband's a jerk. And, you know, so she quits, she leaves, she files for divorce and, and you know, or, or she has an affair just to prove that she's in control, that she has some control over the situation. I, I, I watch teenagers sometimes and, and, and they, they just, um, they resent the, their parents' authority and, and, and control and so they, they engage in destructive behavior, whether that's taking drugs or um, getting involved in sex and they do it just to prove that they have dependence and, and, and they can do what they want and and when I thought about those things, um, what about us? <laughs> what, what about us? I mean, where do you feel that there's that point in your life that you've lost control? Or, or where is that, that place that you feel that someone else has control over your life, that you're just trapped, you're stuck, and you need to do something? 
even if it's wrong. You know, you're just tired of it. You know, you, you, let me just tell you, folks, you don't have to feel that way. You don't have to feel powerless. You don't have to feel boxed in. You don't have to feel trapped is, is because the reality is, the truth is, is that we're not under other people's control. We're not powerless. We're not victims. You need to remember who you are. So who are we? We're the sons and daughters of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. That's who we are. That's who we are. And I mean, Jesus Christ, I mean, we're joint heirs with Jesus Christ. I, I think sometimes in the midst of um, circumstances, we, we forget that. We need to be reminded of that because appearances can be deceiving. Appearances can be deceiving. Um, the, 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 the story of the cross is one of those cases. You know, uh, considering that Jesus Christ, considering that Jesus Christ hanging from a cross, by all appearances, he was powerless. By all appearances, he was by all appearances, he was probably the least powerful person in all of Palestine that day. He had been arrested and, 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 and beaten and tried and convicted and sentenced to death and stripped of his clothes and naked nailed to a cross. I mean, when you think about that, he was completely at the mercy of the Roman soldiers that were guarding him completely under their control. He had no army. He had no military. He had no friends in the government. He had no money to offer in exchange for his freedom. All of his followers had deserted him. At that moment, he lacked control over his own movements. He lacked the ability to be able to wipe the sweat off of his brow or to, to swat the flies away that, that were on his wounds from where he had been beaten. You know, he couldn't even raise his hands to protect himself from those that would throw rocks and stones at him while he hung on the cross. At that moment, when you looked at Jesus, you said he is absolutely powerless. But at that very moment, <laughs> Jesus Christ was the most powerful man in Palestine. Jesus Christ was the most powerful man the world has ever seen and will ever see, no matter how it appeared. <laughs> no matter how it appeared, he was not at the mercy of the Roman authorities. On the contrary, they were at his mercy. And short of his mercy, he had wiped them all out. Yeah, and that's what we have to understand Look, folks, it wasn't the nails that were driven into his flesh that kept him on the cross. It was his mercy. It was his love. It was his desire to, to, to be on the cross. Jesus had the power at any time he wanted um, to, to stop everything that was, was, was transpiring. You know, in, in Matthew, the 26th chapter, it says, <clears throat> While he was um, still speaking, Judas, one of the twelve, um, arrived. With him a large crowd armed with sword and clubs sent from the chief priests and the elders of the people. Now the betrayer had arranged a signal with them. The one I kiss is the man. Arrest him. Going at once to Jesus, Judah said, Greetings, Rabbi, and kissed him. Jesus replied, Do what you came for, friend. The men stepped forward and seized Jesus and arrested him. With that, one of Jesus' companions reached for his sword, drew it out, and struck the servant of the high priest, cutting off his ear. 
Put your sword back in place, Jesus said to him. For all who draw the sword will die by the sword. Do you think I cannot call on my father and he will not at once put at my disposal more than 12 legions of angels? But how then would the scripture be fulfilled that say it must happen this way? You know, that passage um, is amazing. Uh, a legion. A legion um, in the Roman um, military was 6,000 soldiers. 6,000 soldiers. So Jesus says, I could have called 6,000. He said, I could have called 12 legions. That's 72,000 angels Jesus could have had at his disposal. And I think he uses such a big number to make sure that we understand that, that the resources that were available to him were limitless. He could have called. Because, I mean, how many angels would he have needed? <laughs> If we go back, if we go back in Scripture and we read in, in, in 2 Kings, we know that one angel on one night killed 185,000 soldiers. And so if you just quickly do the math, I mean, just quickly, 72,000 angels could have killed 13 plus billion people in, in one moment. I, Jesus clearly was in control, folks. Jesus had all the resources he needed to take care of a handful of of, of soldiers and so you know you have to understand that but instead instead of calling on the father to rescue him jesus allows himself to be arrested and tried and crucified because jesus understood that his mission was that he should lay down his life as payment for our sins jesus understood who he was and why he was here jesus christ was not a power uh, a powerless victim he was not forced to go to the cross against his will. He went there voluntarily for my sake and for your sake. That's what we know about that day. Now, that may not be what it appeared to a lot of people, but that's the facts. You know, listen, at one point, Pilate brings Jesus back to him to, to talk to him a second time. And the conversation goes, Pilate took Jesus back to headquarters again and asked him, where are you from? But Jesus gave no answer. Yeah, I can see Pilate getting frustrated to this point. And he says, you know, you won't talk to me, Pilate demanded. Don't you realize that I have the power to release you or to crucify you? And Jesus responds, you would have no power over me at all unless it were given to you from my father. Jesus says, look, you just think you're in charge. So you're not in charge of anything. He says, we're in charge of everything. He says, my father controls what happens here. And if my father says this doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. I mean, yeah, if you have any doubt whether Jesus was in control before, during, and after um, his death on the cross, all you have to do is read what Jesus says. You know, Jesus, and, and that, 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 he says, the reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it no one no one takes it from me i lay it down on my own accord jesus says i'm in control he says i i i've got this i mean jesus christ as he hung on the cross the moment he appeared to be the most helpless and powerless person in the world was actually in complete control of everything that happened it was his choice that he allowed himself to be arrested. It was his choice to allow himself to be condemned to death by Pilate. It was his choice to go to the cross and to suffer and to die 
for our sins. It was his choice. Why is that so critical? Why wouldn't when we talk about the, the Easter season and what the crucifixion means, why, why would I start it? Why is that so critical? First, it shows that evil did not triumph at the cross. It shows that evil did not win, even though that may be what it appears. It shows that the power of evil is not greater than the power of God's love and righteousness. That God, that Jesus overcame the power of sin and death, and he gave up his life to make that happen. The second thing that it reminds us is that God is the one who is really in control of our life. No one else. No one else. That God is in control, not the government, not your boss, not your spouse, not your ex-spouse, not a judge, not a lawyer, not a doctor, not a hospital. The only person that is ultimately in control of your life is the God of the universe, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Jesus Christ is the name that will be lifted and exalted above every other name. Jesus Christ is in control. And we, we need to just understand that. That guarantees that, that those that are in authority over you are only in authority over you with God's permission. And at any time, God can withdraw that permission. They, can only, um, they only have the power over you up to the point that God has allowed them to have that power over you. The bottom line is, folks, no one, regardless of their position or title, no one can do anything to you without God's permission. No matter how unpleasant or difficult that person may be, you are not a helpless victim. God will use that person to accomplish his will for your life, for your good. Now, do those people acknowledge it? Do those people even know it? I don't think so. I don't think they have a clue. I mean, was Pilate trying to advance some um, God's purposes when um, he ordered that Jesus be crucified? Did Pilate, after um, hearing from, from Jesus and the people, did, did Pilate run back to his office and, and break out Isaiah's scroll and, and look and see what the prophets had said and how this, and says, okay, now, what role am I supposed to play to make sure that God's plan to save the world is there? None of that happened. Pilate was clueless about it. As far as Pilate was concerned, Pilate was acting purely and solely under his power and his authority to do what he wanted to do. He wasn't trying to do what he had no intention of carrying out God's plan. Yet, he did. Yet, he did. And it is the same with a lot of people in your life. A lot of people that mistreat you, a lot of people that you don't like, a lot of people that you think things ought to be done differently, they have no clue. But they are simply instruments in God's hand to carry out His will for your life. And I, you go back and you think about other realities in the Bible, and I think about Joseph. I, I just, I've always loved Joseph and the story of Joseph and there's parts of the story of Joseph that it's just a heartbreaking because you, you think about how unfairly he was treated by his brothers and all that he went through and that, that he was in prison, that he was falsely accused, that he was put in jail. I mean, all of those things. 
But at the end of the day, when it all comes down to it, and, and the, the, he has the opportunity finally later in life to meet his brothers and his brothers when they realize who he is and they know what they've done and they are terrified because this is judgment day and, and they know that it's getting ready to be bad. <laughs> Joseph simply looks at him and said, do not be afraid. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what now is being done, the saving of many, many lives. You know? So when you got a boss that won't listen, you got a manager that's a jerk, you got somebody that gives you bad assignments, who doesn't appreciate your work, how do you feel? How, how, how do you feel? Anxious? Worried? Frustrated? Angry? You know, sometimes you wonder if he has your best interest at heart. Sometimes you know he doesn't have your best interest. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter, folks. Your manager is not in control of your life. He's not even in control of your career. God is. Now, God may temporarily grant that person some degree of power in your life, but ultimately God is in control, and God will accomplish his will that he has for you, whether your boss likes it or not. You know, I, I think back to, to, to my um, secular career, and, and, and I'm, folks, y'all would not believe the whole story. I mean, when you go back and think of some of what happened to me, and, and you know, and I, I had people in high places at Exxon tell me um, that this couldn't happen and that couldn't happen, and on every turn, God made it happen. You know, um, to, to this day, unless something's happened, um, the last job I held for Exxon, at the time I was the only person in the history of Exxon um, worldwide that had ever held that position that didn't have a college degree. You know, they said, you can't have that job if you don't have a college degree. But God said, no, that's the job I want Howard to have, so you're going to give him that job. And I had boss after boss say, well, how'd that happen? How'd you get that job? Well, I mean, how'd, I, how'd they make that exception? <laughs> Folks, I'm here to tell you, God is in control. And God will accomplish his purpose in your life if you'll simply allow him. If you'll trust him and let him. You know, it's the same for, for a husband and a wife and sometimes an ex-husband and a wife or a parent or an in-law. Anyone who exercises um, some kind of control in your life, God may have granted them some degree of power or influence, but, but just like in Pilate's case, just because God granted it doesn't mean that they have any independent power over you. Because God already has the perfect plan, and they can only do what God permits. And nothing, nothing they do, no matter how selfish, how deceitful, how corrupt, how mean-spirited, how just plain dumb, can prevent God from carrying out his plans for your life. Because they are not in control. God is in control. Now look. As I prayed about that and thought about all that, and that knowledge is a great comfort. <laughs> I'm convinced, folks, just knowing that by itself um, brings some measure and some level of peace, but I am equally convinced that knowledge by itself is not enough. Just knowing that God is control, just having a theological conviction that he is sovereign isn't enough to give you peace. The truth is, it has to move from your head to your heart. You know, prayer works. 
Prayer, prayer, prayer works. Because in prayer, we take the truth of what we know. We take the truth of what we know and tell God that we believe it and that we're relying on Him. And so when we take the knowledge we have and we pray it, we're telling God that we're asking God to keep His promises, which He always does. So in a situation like this, what we're doing is literally asking God to bless us through other people. We're asking God to bless us through other people, and sometimes those other people don't like us and we don't like them. But we're not trusting them. We're trusting God. We're asking God to bless us through those people. Because whether those people have any interest or not of being His instrument, God will use them to be His instrument of blessing. Because it's not up to them, it's up to Him. And He can do that, He does do that, and He will do that. That's simply exercising faith. That's exercising faith. Look, as we continue to raise the bar in our prayer life this year, and I hope that, that, that you didn't pray one day and then you, know, you, you put it on the back burner. If, if we continue to raise the bar in our prayer life and we commit every area of our life to God, we will find that our anxiety, that our fear, that our anger, that our, 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 our frustration, that our worry dissipates. And it's replaced by peace. It's replaced by peace and confidence. Why? Because we know in our hearts that other people really are not in control and that God is. And God loves you. And you're his child. And God's going to take care of his children. And, and, and when that starts to make sense, I mean, we grow in joy and peace and confidence because the one who is in control is God and I'm grateful for that see sometimes we think that we'd be better off if them other people that are giving us all this grief weren't in control and that we were in control but the reality is folks you don't even want to be in control you want God to be in control <laughs> because God is the only one that has the perfect plan for your life and the only one that has the power to do it I do believe it's time to raise the bar but in this case, you raise the bar by lowering the bar, about 18 inches. <laughs> lowering from what you know in your head to down in your heart. Because once it's in your heart, then it's called faith. And when we exercise faith, when we trust God, God will do things that we can't imagine. Because our God is in the transforming business. God's not in the improving business. God's not in the tweaking business. He says he will transform our lives. And it begins when we take the truth of his word that we understand in our head and transfer it to our heart and put it into faith. Then we'll see God. We'll see God in ways that we cannot understand. You know, I have to admit to you folks, sometimes I have to go back to the basics. <laughs> Sometimes I just have to go back to the basics and be reminded of what Jesus Christ has already done in my life. Someday on them days when nothing seems to be going, I just have to be reminded of who God is 
and what God's already done for me. God's already forgiven my sins. God's already seen to it that I'm, I have a home in heaven not built by my hand. God's already seen to all of those things. He's forgiven my sins. He's given me life. He has freed me from stress and worry and anxiety, and he loves me, and he is in control. So why do I want to fight to take all that back? Raise the bar by lowering what you know in your head to your heart and watch what God will do. You know, this week, um, some of you probably don't know, but this week I crashed my truck. Um, I had the opportunity to, 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 to hit somebody that pulled out, made a left turn in front of me and center punched him. And, you know, and when it was all, there was a gentleman that stopped because when it first happened, it broke my seatbelt. Um, I took a pretty good lick and I was a little dazed for a minute. And he was stopping me. And after a few minutes, you know, I got my head back on, and, and he was talking to me. He says, well, you seem pretty happy about all this. I said, hey, it's okay. It's just stuff. It's just stuff. I mean, you know, and I said, and the reality is, it's a great day. The guy that I hit had no driver's license, no insurance, no registration, no inspection sticker, and something else. He got five tickets. They impounded his car and took him to jail. And, you know, and look, I, I shouldn't laugh about it, but you know, I, the, the, the guy that stopped was a guy by the name of, of Mr. Griggs. And I said, you know, I said, Mr. Griggs, I said, it's a great day. I'm going to get my little truck, and I'm going to drive back to the house in a minute, and I'm okay. <laughs> I said, it could have been worse. I could have gone with him, you know. I, I, God's in charge all the time, folks. I mean, you, you think you're driving down the road. And you, it, God's got it. Let God have it. When you let God have it, you're going to live with a lot less stress a lot less worry, and no anxiety. And it's time that we remember that. I love you. Father, I just love you. I love you that, um, Father, in all circumstances that you've got it. Father, sometimes I just need to be reminded of that. That, Father, it's, it's, I don't need to be in control of anything. Father, I need to let you be in control of everything. Father, I, I pray that, that, Father, in my daily prayer life that I can be faithful to that. That, Father, um, I, I cannot strive to, to see my will accomplished. But, Father, simply trust that your will is better. Father, um, there's folks here this morning, Father, right now that are stressed or worried or frustrated about something that's going on in their life. Father, whether it be the fact that they're not back in their house from the flood and they're still having to deal with contractors and, and nothing's gone right and the, the floor didn't work and the cabinets didn't fit. Father, it doesn't matter what it is. Father, um, just remind them that you're in charge, that, Father, you've got it, and that, Father, in the midst of all of those things, you will use it to mold them into the person that um, you desire for them to be. And, Father, we'll simply let you. And, Father, I just pray that today that, Father, if there's somebody here that doesn't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, that they'll realize that's the starting point. Because, Father, without them accepting the blood that was shed on the cross of Calvary, Father, without the understanding that at the cross Jesus paid the price for our sins, Father, there will be no peace. There'll be no hope. There'll be no joy. But, Father, um, you, we can find all of those things today, Father, if we'll simply come and confess our sin and trust Jesus Christ. Father, um, use today to encourage us as your children. Father, use today to strengthen our faith. It's in Jesus' name, amen.